Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Lives of the Prophets by Mufti Hussein Kamani. Before we get into the session, I wanted to share a quick message with y'all. Alhamdulillah, since 2011 until now, we have made a commitment here at Qalam to the podcast. All of our instructors are on the Qalam Podcast contributing, recording, and delivering different series and sessions to you. So that no matter where you are, what's going on, you are able to continue to learn and grow and increase the understanding of your religion. What we ask you to do, aside from continuing to listen and sharing the podcast with family and friends, is go to supportqalam.com. Supportqalam.com. Go there and be a part of the cause. Get your own stake and share in the reward of all the good that is going on and be a part of the solution. Go there, donate, be a part of the solution, share the link with family and friends, and be, let's all of us work together to bringing the proper understanding of Islam and the education of the religion to all the people all around the world. Jazakumullahu khairan. Thank you very much for listening. Now on to the session. Our Shaykh al-Hadith, I remember he went to visit him. And he said to him, he sat in front of him and he just said one statement. And he said, after I said this statement, that's when the Shaykh actually even started crying. He hadn't even processed that death for that, for that many days. And he said to him, إِنَّ لِلَّهِ مَا أَخَذْ مَا أَعْطَى For Allah is what He takes, وَلَهُ مَا أَعْطَى And to Him belongs whatever He gives. وَكُلُّ شَيْءٍ عِنْدَهُ بِأَجْلٍ مُسَمَّنٍ Allah gives everything for a determined period. Our wives, our kids, our friends, our jobs, our parents, they're all given for an allotted period. It's like a rental. So when Allah takes it away, فَصْبِرْ Be patient. وَالْتَحْتَسِرْ And seek reward with Allah for the pain that you experience. وَإِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ Because that's all we can say. To Allah belong and to Allah we shall all return. This is what happens to people. You know, when we read the stories of the prophets, I want you to not just read them as accords in history. I want you to feel their pain, feel their joy. Imagine how rough of a day that must have been for Ayyub Maybe he must have fell to his knees and covered his face and cried and cried and cried. Imagine the pain he must have felt, burying each child, lowering them into the grave. How his heart must have crumbled and broken into pieces. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he returns from the graveyard, then Allah tests him level three. Allah gives him an illness. And the illness is such that it's only increasing. You have a little illness on your hand, a little disease, and it increases, and every time the visual of it increases, you, you get more and more scared. What's next? What's next? What's next? And Ayyub salam sees that illness growing across his body until it covers his entire body. And the only thing left the scholars say was his tongue and his heart. That's all. That's all that was left. And with that tongue of his, he engaged in the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They say that his, a situation, his situation became so bad that Ayyub salam was either removed from the city or he left the city. Both opinions are there. One opinion is that he heard people speaking ill about him and he said to his wife that I wish not to be with these people anymore. 
Take me away from them. At least let me lessen one burden I don't have to hear people talking about me. See, going through a divorce is one difficulty. But then dealing with all of the gossip and chatter is what really breaks people. Having a child that is struggling, you know, whether it's mentally or maybe just morally, the child has chosen their own path, that's one struggle, that's one problem. But then having the whole community talk about it and everyone share their unwanted opinion, unsolicited opinion, is where the disease actually really becomes difficult to deal with. Do you guys understand that? It's not the punch that hurts you when someone hits you in the locker room. It's the laughing that everyone, that echoes in your ears when you fall on the ground that'll stick with you for the next 30 years. That everyone mocked me, they laughed at me as I fell on the ground because that's the nature of it. That's why the mashayikh and the ulama, they write regarding Nabi Yunus that there was one part of his struggle in the story of Ta'if that his body was bruised and wounded. But the second part of the struggle must have been all those people laughing at him, mocking him, making fun of this pointless effort of his, this supportless orphan. What was he going to do? What was he trying to do? Take, uh, take, a, take over Ta'if? Really? They must have laughed at him. And the Prophet ﷺ, in a very similar position, is sitting there being afflicted. He lost his family members that year. Do you guys recall? They had just, because that was the year Khadija passed away. They went through the financial boycott, like Ayyub their finances were dry. And then now he's being laughed at by people. A very similar um, situation. So Ayyub at this point, he then spends his time in dhikr. Now the blessing in Ayyub life, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afflicted him with this difficulty, the one blessing that Allah gave him, and we should make dua to Allah, Allah gives us all this blessing too. And this is the one blessing that got him through his difficulty. Because without this one blessing, obviously he's a prophet of Allah, so we can only assume that the result would have been the same. But most people without this one blessing, this is where they, don't, they can't build or muster the energy to continue with the struggle. And what was that one blessing? Anyone know? Of course, Iman was there, mashallah. Uh, in addition to Iman and his belief in Allah, his tongue was not afflicted. His wife. What was his blessing? His wife. Where everyone left him, she didn't leave him. She stood by his side. She washed him, she clothed him, she bathed him, she fed him. She helped him pray. When he couldn't provide for the family anymore, she started working. And she would go and work and bring food home every day. Some narrations suggest they are very weak, very weak, but just to share them anyway. Some narrations suggest that there were people who refused to hire her because they said that she has been in close proximity with a sick person. Maybe that illness will spread amongst us through her. So they stopped hiring her. So there's a narration that suggests, be it very weak, but I'll share it with you anyway. That Ayyub salam's wife, she was trying to look for a way to provide. So one day, in those, com- in those communities, like in our day and age too, people, they sell things, you know, to make money. So she cut some of her hair off and sold it. And she brought food home. Ayyub salam asked her, where is this from? Where is the money from? She had her head covered so there was no exposing there. She kept it quiet. And then another day, she cut the remaining of her hair off. And she um, purchased some food with it and brought it home. 
And Ayyub السلام, insisted and he insisted, what happened, what happened, what happened? And it was at this point that when she opened up her secret, that this is the sacrifice I've made for our family, that's when the, the scholars they say Ayyub السلام, made his dua to Allah. Ya Allah, difficulty has come on to me. My wife has sacrificed everything, even until the point that she even sacrificed her honor, her beauty for my sake. This is the blessing of a loyal spouse. That they don't back off, they don't walk away the first time they hit a bump in the road. They're committed. They see beauty in a person that's true beauty. It's not an artificial, temporary obsession. Rather, they see beauty within people and they're willing to go through it with them no matter what the consequences are. Do we not see that in our older generation, the uncles and aunties of our community, our parents? That you know, they were, they've been ill for so long, but our mothers never gave up on our fathers, our fathers never gave up on our mothers. They stuck with them, they did their khidmah. They gave their life to them. Because that's what it means to be a companion. That's what it means to be a spouse. You don't abandon them halfway through the road, right? You don't walk away. And that was a big blessing that he had. Now there's a narration that one day, Ayyub salam, his wife said to him, that, oh Ayyub, do you not think it's appropriate you make dua to Allah, that Allah cure you? Do you not see all of what we've gone through? So Ayyub salam said to her, how many years did Allah bless us with? She said, so many decades Allah blessed us with good family and good health. Can we all agree on that too? Alhamdulillah, how much has Allah blessed us with? So much. Then he asked her, how much has Allah afflicted us? She said, she said, seven, eight years. He said, how can I raise my hands in front of Allah and ask Allah to cure me? And complain to Allah when it's only been such a short period in comparison to all of the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Ayyub salam was disappointed and also partially frustrated with this statement of his wife. What was the disappointment in? She was a wife of a prophet. And the wives of the prophets are held at a higher standard, including specifically someone like Ayyub salam and his wife. His wife was, uh, as, as I mentioned from an opinion, from the grandchildren of Yusuf salam. So she comes from a very prestigious lineage. Another thing is that Ayyub salam became very upset because at that point he felt that even his wife was about to abandon him. So at this point, Ayyub salam took an oath. And he took an oath that he would punish his wife for making that statement. Now that's a very harsh statement. Bichari, what was her crime that, she's, um, that, that he's holding her accountable? What was her crime that he is holding her accountable for asking for something that's completely halal and jayas, she did nothing wrong at all. So there are two answers given to this. One answer given to this, this concern is that Ayyub salam's statement, even though he is a prophet of Allah, because this was a family affair and this is a personal affair, it's possible that his, his, his statement was caused by the pain that he was going through at that point in his life. When someone's in a lot of pain, they end up saying things and making decisions that may not be the best decisions to make. Do you guys understand this? This is one answer given by some scholars. But other scholars, they don't like it because they say at the end of the day, he was a prophet of Allah. So then, the second answer that's given is that maybe Ayyub said this and made this statement because he thought that for his wife, who was so beloved and dear to him, that what he wanted for her was that she be purified of her action and her statement in the world so she is not held accountable with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the reason why, because if there, was only, if there was one person left in the world whose word actually mattered to him, it was his wife. 
And these statements of her caused mixed emotions and feelings in his heart and it became a gateway for shaitan now to whisper and say that you're failing your family as well. Therefore, Ayyub made the statement. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an that as a part of this illness, when Ayyub did make dua to Allah, when Ayyub did make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, as mentioned in Surah Sad, وَذْكُرْ abdana Ayyub And make mention of our servant Ayyub. When he called out to his Lord by saying, Shaitan has touched me. What does this mean that Shaitan has touched the Prophet of Allah? So regarding this to ulama, because this is an ayah of the Qur'an, so now there's a need for explanation. There are two answers given. The first answer that's given on this, Anni مَسَّنِيَ shaitan. Some muhaqqiqun have said, that Ayyub made said this statement out of, out of adab. Because when we make nisbah of khair, we make it to Allah. But when we make nisbah of shar, we either make it to ourselves or we attribute it to shaitan. It's a matter of adab. What that means, everything I just said, I'll explain it. When a person attributes good and evil to Allah, the proper etiquette is that you attribute good to Allah because... Not without any doubt, good comes from Allah. We also attribute evil to Allah as well, because technically evil comes from Allah. But the proper etiquette is that you don't attribute that evil and say, Ya Allah, you did this to me. We attribute the evil to ourselves. Ya Allah, I am in this sin because of my own doings. We don't say, Ya Allah, because you put me here. That's bad etiquette, that's bad manners. And we learn this from the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an the example of other prophets. وَإِذَا مَرِضْتُ فَهُوَ يَشْفِينَ When Ibrahim السلام, makes attribution to illness, becoming ill, he doesn't attribute the illness to Allah, even though الَّذِي خَلَقَنِي فَهُوَ يَهْدِينَ وَالَّذِي هُوَ يُطْعِمُنِي وَيَسْقِينَ In the previous verses, he's attributing everything to Allah. You know, he's the one who feeds me, he's the one who gives me water to drink, he's the one who created me, he's the one who guided me. But when it comes to illness, out of Adab, Ibrahim السلام, said, وَإِذَا مَرِضْتُ And when I become ill, فَهُوَ يَشْفِينَ He is the one who cures me. So this is one statement, the scholars, they say, that when attributing evil, it is, it is from the etiquettes that you attribute it to yourself or you attribute it to shaitan, while knowing the haqiqi, true attribution without doubt comes from Allah because no action can come into existence without the will of Allah. That's one answer given. The second answer given by some muhaqiqun, they say that when he says, Rabbi, inni masani uh, shaitan, that shaitan has touched me, what this actually means is, shaitan has begun to whisper in my heart. Whispers have begun to come. And when this happens in your calamity, this is where you have to become more firm. You know, when shaitan starts whispering in your heart that your marriage broke because you're a horrible human being, no one cares about you, you're a failure, you're a hypocrite, you're a scumbag, you're a person that has no value, you were created to be sent to Jahannam. Watch how the creation laughs at you on the Day of Judgment when your sins are exposed. Your Lord doesn't care about you. If your mother and father cared, they'd be sitting next to you right now. If your children really loved you, they wouldn't have abandoned you. If your friends loved you, they would be sitting next to you, hugging you, embracing you. No one in the world cares at all. 
That's why no one hit like on your social media post. These are all things, and you know, these are all ideas that shaitan begins to whisper. That shaitan has touched me. Right? As for the physical illness, there's that's obviously from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he makes his attribution, some of us say this attribution is um, due to the affliction that he went through through the doings, meaning the whispers of shaitan. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, let's cover the verses now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of Ayyub salam's plea to Allah. After this long period of patience, after everything he's gone through, he continues to use his tongue to engage in the dhikr of Allah, to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He continues to call out to Allah. Day and night, lying in his own version of solitary confinement, He's sitting there doing dhikr of Allah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, subhanAllah. Because when a person connects themselves to Allah, the doings of this world become meaningless. My shaykh used to always say, that having Allah on your side does not mean sailing in an ocean that has no waves. Having Allah on your side means sailing in a ship which no storm can destroy. So those waves will continue to come, the storms will always be there, they'll come and go. But having Allah with you means now you're fortified. Now you're in a fort. Now you're in a ship. You can hit me as hard as you want and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to smile. You can stone me all you want to, O people of Ta'if, but I won't pray against you. I'll make dua for you. And when I do complain to Allah, I won't complain against you. I will complain against myself. And I will say to Allah, Ya Allah, if you are not angry at me, I'm willing to do it again. A point comes where your connection with Allah becomes so strong that the difficulties that you face in the world become meaningless. Because you realize that I don't mind if the world turns against me, if my body gives up on me, if my muscles ache, if my body feels pain. Because I know at the end of it all, Allah is with me. And that's what gives me joy. That Allah is in my heart. I love Allah. Allah knows I'm here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of my state. And if Allah is aware of my state and He wants me to be here, oh difficulty and calamity, marhaban, you are welcome. Come into my home and spend here as much as time as you like because you've been sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what ends up happening to the person. This is what ends up happening to the servant. This idea that the closer I get to Allah, the more my difficulties will dissipate, they should be removed, this is wrong. People, they say that, oh, why am I being tested by Allah? I wear hijab. I should be blessed with kids. That sister doesn't wear hijab. Allah should punish her. Who said you not having children is a punishment? You said that. Allah never said that. Who said you not passing your exam is a punishment? Allah never said that. You said that. Otherwise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala held back children from his most beloved servants. Yes or no? How many years did Ibrahim have to wait? How many years did Zakaria have to wait? We haven't covered his story yet, but when we come to it, we'll learn. Zakaria had to wait a long period. How many years did Ishaq have to wait? How many years did Yaqub have to wait? These are all examples. They all had to wait for a period before Yaqub not so much, but each of them were tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you have to reach a mindset, a point where you have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Ya Allah, Whatever you're putting me through, I trust you enough to know that you're doing it for me. Ya Allah, you got my back. You know, an example of this is, 
Sometimes your friend may do something to you in life that you just don't understand. That may hurt you. You know, for example, you're engaged to someone and your friend will cause that engagement to break. Now, if that friend is very, very close to you, sometimes you'll hear the statement. People will say, what they did was wrong, but that person is so legit. They care so much for me, I know they wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for my best. Do you guys understand that? They messed up the situation, they put me in difficulty, but they wouldn't have done it had they not been sincere. So if we can trust friends, if we can trust friends, that my friend would suggest only the best car for me, my friend would only suggest the best house for me, they would suggest the best job for me, the best city, the best institute for me, then why can't we trust Allah? Has Allah's value fallen beneath the value of our selfish friends? Because friends, at the end of the day, human beings are selfish. Is that where the value of Allah has come down? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is loyal to His friends. And those people who trust Allah, Allah never fails them. Allah says, وَمَن يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُ Whoever trusts Allah, even though it gets darker and darker, and you start saying, Ya Allah, when, when, when? When Allah does give, Allah will give in a fashion that the world will be amazed. And that's exactly what happened to Ayyub alayhi salam. Ayyub alayhi salam makes dua to Allah as we see in Surah Anbiya. وَأَيُّبَ إِذْنَا دَارَبَّهُ After years of being afflicted with calamity, he makes dua to Allah. Now look at the adab, the etiquette Ayyub alayhi salam uses when making dua to Allah. He's not angry at Allah. He's not harsh. He's not jumping to conclusions. He's not demanding from Allah. He's not dictating to Allah. There was one young man I met. He was interested in marrying this girl. He said to me, Shaykh, I want you to make dua that I get married to this girl. So I said to him, you know what, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to make dua to Allah that Allah gives you the girl that's best for you. So naturally he said, Ameen. But then he put his arm around me and said, Shaykh, Jazakallah khair for that, for that dua, but that's not the dua I want. I want to marry this girl. And I said, I understand, but maybe that girl isn't good for you. He said, well, I don't care. I want to marry this girl. So I said, well, have you asked if she wants to marry you? Because at this point, how obsessive you are, I, I feel that she might be terrified of you as well. He said, yeah, she said the same thing, that I'm obsessive. So I said, you need to back up, do some istikhara, some soul searching, some soul finding. And then if it's best for you, Allah will bring you back here. You don't dictate terms to Allah. That's not how it works. In this relationship, we only present our case to Allah. And that's the adab of making dua. Ayyub makes dua to Allah. And this is the most profound, beautiful dua that a person can make that is suffering from difficulty or calamity. Any difficulty or calamity. People are laughing at you for whatever reason. People are mocking you for whatever reason. You have a relative that's sick. You're struggling to pass an exam. Struggling for whatever it is that you're struggling with. This dua. Are you guys ready for it? And that moment when Ayyub called out to his Lord, Rabbi inni wa anta arham That's the dua. Rabbi inni Rabbi. He starts off by saying, Rabbi, oh my nurturer, my master, my Lord. So much love. Then he states a fact. Inni masaniyadhur. He doesn't say remove my illness. What does he say? He just states a fact. 
that pain and difficulty and illness has come to me. And then he states a third fact, وَأَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّحِيمِ And you are the most merciful one. Three facts. رَبِّي إِنِّي مَسَّنِيَ الظُّرْ أَنْتَ أَرْحَمُ الرَّحِيمِ Oh my Lord, I'm in pain. You're the most merciful one. That's it. That's his dua. You look at Nuh salam's dua, right? What's his dua? إِنَّ بَنِي مِنْ أَهْلِي إِنَّ وَعَدَكَ الْحَقِّ أَنْتَ أَحْكَمُ الْحَكِيمِ Three facts. He doesn't tell Allah what to do. He says, my son is from my family, your promise is true, you're the most just. Now whatever's in between, Ya Allah, you do and I submit myself to it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that his dua was full of so much respect and so much love, such humbleness, such sweetness that when he made this dua, what does Allah say? فَاسْتَجَبْنَا لَهُ فَكَشَفْنَا مَا بِهِ مِنْ That we accepted his dua and we removed his illness. وَآتَيْنَاهُ أَهْلَهُ وَمِثْلَهُمْ مَعَهُمْ رَحْمَةً مِنْ عِنْدِنَا And we gave him his family, an equivalent of that as well. And we gave mercy from our side. وَذِكْرَى لِلْعَابِدِينَ And a remembrance for those who are worshippers. Now I'll reflect over this in a moment. But how did the cure come? Let's discuss that. How did the cure come? In Surah Sa'd, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us how the cure came. Allah says to him, Ayyub alayhi salam, Urkudh birijrik, kick your foot on the ground. Ayyub alayhi salam takes his foot, he kicks it on the ground. Hada muhtasam, baridun wa sharab. Here is water that you will be washed with, cold and for you to drink. Ayyub alayhi salam takes the water and begins to wash his external. And as he's washing, the illness is disappearing. His skin is being restored. Imagine the tears in Ayyub salam's eyes that, Ya Allah, this difficulty has come to an end. This moment has passed. Mahmud Ghaznavi said to his servant Iyad, that take this ring of mine and inscribe on there something, that if I read it when I'm sad, I'll become happy, and if I read it when I'm happy, I'll become sad. So Iyad took the ring and he inscribed on there, this moment shall pass. When I'm happy, it makes me sad when I read it. And when I'm sad, I read it, it makes me happy. And here Ayyub is standing, and this moment has passed. The dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the tears, the joy, that my Allah never fails His friends. My Allah looks after His own. My Allah takes care of His servants. My Allah has no pleasure in punishing them. Those who are loyal to Allah, Allah is loyal to them. Right? Those who abandon Allah, then they have no helper. There's no one there to assist them anymore. And he drinks the water, and as he drinks it, his insides are cured. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses him with cure. One riwayah actually says that his wife returned from her chores, and when she came back, she asked a young man, where is my husband? And he said, it's me. I am a you. And she was shocked. What? What happened to you? Then he tells her how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala favored him. Now, remember that oath Ayyub salam took? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that Ayyub salam took that oath and his wife wasn't worthy of being punished because she was too sweet and too kind. She did nothing wrong. So Allah teaches Ayyub salam what we call a hila, a workaround. That instead of giving a hundred lashes, what should you do? 
take a bunch of, uh, take a bunch like of, of straws, a hundred straws, tie them together, and make one strike, that'll count as a hundred. وَخُذْ بِيَدِكَ دِغْثًا فَضْرِبْ بِهِ وَلَا تَحْنَثْ إِنَّا وَجَدْنَاهُ صَابِرًا نِعْمَ الْعَبْدِ إِنَّهُ أَوَّابٌ Now when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we restored his family, what does that mean? What does it mean that Allah says we restored his family? Ibn Abbas radiallahu an, while commenting on this ayah, he said, كَانَ بَنُوهُ قَدْ مَاتُوا That his children had died. فَأَحْيَاهُمُ اللَّهُ لَهُ Allah brought them back to life. They actually came back to life. This is a narration from Ibn, Ab- Ibn Abbas radiallahu an. وَوُلِدَ لَهُ مِثْلَهُمْ مَعَهُمْ And when Allah says, and we give equivalent to what he had, along with what was given, meaning if he had ten kids, we give equivalent to that. Ibn Abbas says, and then he had the same number of children that he had already lost before. So the children that died, let's say for example, if they were 20, according to this opinion of Ibn Abbas, they came back to life, and then Allah blessed him with another hundred, another 20 kids. That's one opinion. And this is also, وَكَذَلِكَ قَالَ عَبْدُ ibn Mas'ud. This is also the position of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu Mujahidan Akrima say, وَآتَيْنَاهُ أَهْلَهُ that and we gave him his family back, they say Ayfil Akhir. Meaning his children did not come back to life from the dead. Meaning Allah says we gave his family back to him, meaning we will reunite with we will reunite you with them in the in the hereafter. As for Wamithlahum and equivalent to them, that means that he was blessed with the same number of children in the world before he died. So the 20 he lost, as per our example, he would be reunited with them in the hereafter. As for the remainder of his life, Allah blessed him with another 20 kids. So that now, that blessing of having children in the house, running around, that joy, that happiness, had returned back. And remember this, every time you are tested with anything in the world that you lose, know that it's waiting for you in the akhirah. Know that it's just waiting there. Children who leave their parents at a young age, they're waiting for their parents in the hereafter while they sit in the company of Sayyidina Ibrahim Mothers who have miscarriages, those children, those babies of ours will stand in front of Allah on the Day of Judgment and call out to Allah and they will complain to Allah saying, Ya Allah, there is no accounting for this mother and father because they're mine, you promised me Jannah, they're coming with me. Every, every sacrifice you make, even with your wealth, when you give wealth in the world, ma qaddam. What is that? What do we call that? That which you have put forth. Whatever you put forth, for yourself, from good, you will find that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That for the believer, facing difficulty and dealing with it is a win-win situation. There's no losing for us. Because Allah rewards us for our patience in the world. Alhamdulillah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also will reward us in the hereafter. One riwayah actually says that when a person will see the reward gifted by Allah for patience when faced with calamity in the world, that person will say, Ya Allah, only if you had you know, not accepted any of my du'as in the world and I would have dealt with difficulty my entire life. Because the payoff will be so great. The blessing from Allah will be so great. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Allah says in the Qur'an, uh, وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى 
that very soon your Lord will give you to the point that it will please you. فَتَرْضَى You will be happy, you will be joyful. 